Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 17. Episode 48. This is Writing Excuses. Bodies, why? Part 3. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. Ow. I'm Mary <laughs> Robinette. I'm Chelsea. I'm Fran. I'm Howard. All right, and for this episode, what we're going to be looking at is we're going to be talking about pain. We're going to be talking about how journeying with pain is awful and and also some of the metaphors that we can use to kind of approach writing about pain. And let's dive into that. Fran, do you want to unpack that a little bit more for our listeners? Definitely. Um, I find writing about or expressing pain to others really difficult in part because one, when you do that online, quite often people want to talk to you about their pain and it becomes sort of an echo chamber of pain, which I really do care about other people. And I wish that no one was in pain, but I also need to do my work and this can become sort of a, a never ending cycle. Um, I'm not here to educate people about pain. I have had that question asked of me of, you know, don't you want other people to understand where you're coming from? No, I want to write stories. That's what I want to do. So um, talking about disability in this whole series has been kind of tough for me in that, but it's also important. And so some of the times the ways in which I do this are I create a structure within which I can discuss elements of pain or um, the, the interactions with the medical community that I've been having since I was one. And um, that was clearly lettered in a mostly steady hand, definitely did that in a way that was for me, a vehicle to, I thought, initially unpack those different rooms of experience. And it turned out to be the most angry thing I have ever written in my life, which was another aspect of pain that I didn't realize was there. And fantasy, the, the dragon or the robot or the spaceship element actually gives me a metaphor to start examining things that otherwise are very direct and very real. So that I find super helpful. Um, I know other people have very different experiences because this is not a one-size-fits-all topic. So, you know, huge, big pointy arrows around your mileage may vary. Your pain scale may vary. My, uh, let us absolutely get you started on the pain scale. But arguably the most important thing I've written is no, I'm fine which I wrote for an anthology to benefit uh, my friend Robison Wells. And it's uh, about 750 words of, of uh, creative nonfiction in which I, in first person, walk the reader through 
my brain not working correctly. Uh, me not wanting to take a pill, even though I know the pill is going to help me. And the process of writing that, um, I, I wrote it uh, during a, a family vacation. Sandra took the kids off to go see some rocks. Um, we're in Utah. They're nice rocks. Um, and I stayed home and wrote. And she came home and her first words for, words to me were like, oh my gosh, what happened? Are you Okay. And I realized I'm not okay because in order to write this correctly, apparently I wrote it so well I walked myself through it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was powerful. It was a learning experience for me. And I say most important thing I've written because it's the only thing I've written where people have come up to me and said, Howard, I think you saved my life because I shared this with my wife and now she understands what's happening to me. Um, and, and so, and I'm not, I'm not reflecting this at Fran, you know, I, I don't want to, I'm not here to educate people. I, you know, I just want to write nice stories, but every so often I just got to lay down the education because if people don't have the words to describe the pain that they're having, then nobody can help. Let me rephrase. This is um, this this particular conversation where I was asked, "Don't you want to help people understand?" Was really directed more towards um, me answering specific questions on an individual yeah. basis, which brings up the sort of I have expressed myself on social media. Now everyone on social media wants me to interact on an individual level with them. Which, hi, social media, I love you. You're awesome, but also I want to write. And my answer to this person was, "I do." do education. I do write about things that are important to me, but I do it in fiction. And I don't necessarily want to spend the time educating individuals when Google exists, um, (laughs) among other things. So yes, educating, yes, creating spaces where other people can empathize and find themselves in those stories. Yes, absolutely. Um, burning up my time and my energy to do something that the person could easily do for themselves, not so much. Yeah, I'm not going to write that essay again and again and again and again for everybody who asks me what it's like to have my brain. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to write it once. And this so I is did. one of the reasons that uh, that that sometimes writing about bodies as not literally not human. Uh, can can sometimes allow us uh, to to give people another way in uh, that is that sometimes feels safer for the writer as much as anything else. Um, so, just as a you know, on, on the, the the pain scale end of that, <laughs> um, I uh, I have um, you know I I've been a puppeteer for most of my adult life. And, uh, and, and my pain scale is set so that I think, what, would I perform with this? And, uh, and the answer is, well, yeah, you know, I performed Little Shop and, and the, the thought that I often had when I was working this massive puppet was, if I experience this pain outside of this puppet, I would go to the emergency room. But when I do experience that level of pain outside the puppet, I, I don't. What I do is I keep teaching until we realize that actually... Uh, the the pain that I thought was just fairly normal was shingles. Um, so 
when I am trying to put that into fiction and trying to explain those levels of of pain, I I often turn to uh, to other forms of of talking about it, uh, whether it's like putting a character into a spaceship where the the spaceship itself is malfunctioning and that ref, reflects the body. What are some other things uh, like you know that that either Chelsea or or you Fran have have seen done well or used as uh, as ways to to create this emotional distance for yourself as a writer? Um, I am happy to kick that to Chelsea first. I have some thoughts. Well, I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm trying to think about this. One of the things that really kind of rivets me to somebody's story is when I read about like their experience with like a disability that they have in common with, with me. Um, is that I kind of, I'm kind of like pointing my fingers at my eyes and pointing those fingers at them. It's like, I see you. Um, and I know a lot of people do this because um, when I was done writing Witchmark, I had several people come up to me and say, me too, I have PTSD too. And the way you wrote about it was so great because it wasn't like an after-school special about PTSD. It was, you know, Miles had this experience and he's toughing it out through that. Um, And honestly, I didn't really realize how much of that experience I had woven into the story because I was just like, okay, well, Miles' experience is like mine, so I'm just going to do it the way I would do it. Um, And that again, makes me want to circle back to the pain scale for a second because I have years of toughing it out with pain. So if I go to a doctor and they say, what's your pain level? And I say, oh, well, you know, I'm pretty uncomfortable right now. I'm I'm actually talking about an eight, but the doctor doesn't know that because they don't know that I've been like living my life for five for literally years. I, um, two things about the pain scale, because I've, I, I put things at low numbers because I'm, you know, constantly in pain, but I'm also living in kind of an orchestra of pain. I, for a long time, I, I knew how to draw because of where the pain in my hands was and yeah. figuring out how to express pain on a single linear line of weird faces really doesn't match up to my experience at all. First of all, it defines pain as a one is, is a one thing that is happening to you instead of a multitude of things happening all at the same time on different levels. And two, it expresses it on a single unvariable situation, whereas, you know, pain's so hard to get conveyed to another person who hasn't experienced it. And at one point I was, you know, your brain is going, say seven, say seven, say seven. But what comes out is, oh, it's a four. And then I have to say, but when I had kidney stones, that was also a four. And that usually gets me an interesting reaction from people. (laughs) I Um, imagine so. But but it's on a parallel that they understand, especially if they've had kidney stones. 
pain is a relative experience that that is the worst thing to share with other people. We can share experiences like food. That's a universal experience. Breathing is a universal experience. Pain is an individualized experience that is so tied to all of our other ideals for ourselves and each other and choice and and all sorts of things that that we have to work through. And when I see pain or disability for that matter um, written about well, it is usually in terms that are relative and that are cumulative. So it's not just a single thing that is a character definition. I think this goes back to way in the beginning of this where I mentioned that you know, somebody on a panel had said, well, I'd make a hero unlikely by giving them a disability. This is not something that you just like drop on somebody as like, here's your disability sticker. It's it's an actual layering of, of experiences and things and ways to maneuver around stuff and ways to get the thing you want to do done while in pain without, you know, biting somebody's head off while you're in pain. And that's a, the other thing that I've, I, I love and, um, like Elizabeth Bear does this really well with her um, Chelsea. What's the the space station series one where that they're navigating pain and and elements of different types of disabilities um, while in space while working as you know security and medical systems. And I'm going to come up with the name of the book in a minute. Um, Are you talking about white space? Yes, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Um, and and it, thank you. Um, there there are so many different aspects that are really well portrayed in layers. Elliot de Bodard does an amazing job of talking about emotional and physical pain, especially in the Tea Master and the Detective, where she's got you know her Holmes character is physically just you know it's it's really incredible. Um, so I really appreciate when writers use layers when there is no magical fix, when you just need to get through the day um, in different ways, those those are really, really brilliant things. And you can often just kind of like you can tell whether an author is a coffee drinker or a tea drinker by what their character drinks. You can often tell if somebody has been through an experience of at least empathizing with someone else's pain or their own pain, because you have to empathize with yourself too. by how it comes across on the page. If it is just this one thing that is, you know, happening where nothing else is also happening, that's a little bit harder for me to believe. Yeah. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique, which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. 
That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Why don't we, uh, since we've just had two great recommendations, why don't we actually pause for our uh, for our book of the week, which is neither of those two. <laughs> it is a short story, um, but we also recommend both of the the, the ones previously mentioned. Um, it's a short story by John Wiswell called DIY. You want to say why you uh, why you wanted to recommend that one this week? Um, I love this story. This is uh, this is up at tour.com and. Um, these characters feel real and they feel so innovative on the page as far as how they're going about solving problems, but also how they're dealing with people who are not them. Um, John projects empathy in all, everything he writes. And this is one of those that just really, really got to me in, in all the best of ways. So that's DIY by John Wiswell, and we are linking to it in the uh, in the liner notes so you can can hop to it since it's it is available online. So one of the things that I found when I was uh, doing some research for the Spearman was that uh, th- this this idea of of pain. Um, my my character has a, a deep ba- deep brain pain suppressor, and it's one of those devices that is about to become not science fiction. But the problem that they have is that people's pain is so specific that running clinical trials on pain suppressors is incredibly difficult because no one's pain is the same. And also because of this this pain scale that we're talking about. So it's one of those things that technically... There is actually a way to suppress pain in the brain, but practically speaking, there's they, they are running to serious, serious problems figuring it out, which then means that when you're trying to convey that to the reader, this pain, that that actually writing it in a way that it the reader feels it in their own body becomes becomes very challenging. Something that Stephen King suggested um, in his own writing is that if you want people to feel pain, that rather than trying to tell them what the pain feels like, that you just describe what has happened to them and let them, so like, uh, instead of trying to describe what it feels like to have your toenails pulled out, you just say uh, that they they pulled out the toenails. And, and everyone's like, ugh. And that one works. That one makes sense because all of us have had 
some damage to fingernail or toenails. But many of the pieces of pain that someone with who's dealing with a, a disability or chronic pain that that is so specific to them, and it is not something that people without that particular body shaping are going to experience. So what, like, some of the tools that I've deployed um, are are to give my characters an almost synesthesia experience of pain, where I start describing it with colors or, or textures. Um, I realized that even when I was talking with someone else, that even describing sharp pain versus dull pain is is a metaphor for something that is happening in your body. As a kid, I say as a kid, between the ages of 16 and 30, uh, when I described pain, when I described it to myself, it was colors and shapes. You know, orange triangle, gray square, gray triangle, red circle, were all different kinds of pain. This is fundamentally useless when you're trying to communicate with a physician and they're asking how bad is the pain. I said, well, it's a big orange triangle. (laughs) Okay, where's the triangle? Um, In looking at the pain scales that physicians use, I quickly realized that it it was a tool that was not only going to help me, you know, when I go to the doctor increasingly as I age, um, but, but when I write, <clears throat> because uh, one of these scales talks about how much the pain interferes with other things I'm trying to do. You know, zero is no pain. One, hardly notice. Two, notice, but it doesn't interfere. Okay? Mm-hmm. A lot of us who have chronic pain have managed to take our pain and push it down to two and tell ourselves that it doesn't interfere when, in fact, it probably does interfere, but that's another discussion. And then you jump up to eight, awful, hard to do anything. Nine, can't bear the pain, unable to do anything. Um, And 10 on one of the scales, 10 was the patient shouldn't be able to report a 10 because if the patient is experiencing a 10, the patient is not able to say the word 10. Um, and on that scale for me, I realized, oh, I've had a nine and a half. And that was when I got a shot in my foot and it hit the nerve and everything shut down except that sensation briefly. I would just like to point out that pain scales are contain inherent bias as far as medication goes, um, and getting pain relief medication, especially if you are female, especially if you are from a marginalized group, especially if you are a black woman and you express your pain, according to those pain scales, they will automatically ratchet it down. And it is, it's, it's hideous to me that that assumption is made. Um, and, and I think that, again, medical model, but also the, uh, there's no empathy there, the, the lack of empathy in those things. Um, well, but circling back to what I can write, the yeah. idea that a character is feeling the pain and it is inf- interfering with what else they want to do, yes. that yeah. that's a plot point. That's I can the, write that. That's great. Um, one other thing for writers to think about is that 
Um, the, the length of your sentences and the sounds of your words when a character is in pain can be impactful and useful. If you have a character who speaks in long flowing syllabant sentences that have a lot of S's in them and suddenly everything they're speaking with is stabbing or uses a lot of K's or hard sounds and T's in them, you with punctuation, every single word or dashes or however you're just breaking up the, the line lines um, conveys a lot more than you think it does. Yeah. Studying poetry will help. Well, I was going to use the Bukowski example, um, which is that Charles Bukowski had emphysema. And and when, as he um, progressed in his writing, his lines got shorter. Oh, that's fascinating and unsurprising. The um, the other tool that uh, I, uh, tool and challenge I find is that when you have a character that has chronic pain, um, it is part of their normal. So keeping it alive on the page so that the reader remembers that, because otherwise the reader will default to their own, um, which is, as we've discussed, not matching, since nobody's pain matches. So it's a challenge to both keep it alive for the reader, not have the character be whiny for the reader, um, whiny, and not have the character um, think about the pain more than they naturally would. And one of the ways that I found to to handle that, and I'd be curious to know if, if either if anyone has has different techniques, um, is to to highlight the adaptations that the character has to make. So, um, and and only. Uh, only mention the pain when one of those adaptations fails. So, like, um, I have, I have, a, and it's, I was talking about this previously that um, I have a lower back thing that uh, I have, that I, I just, I had kind of forgotten that I have it because it's a puppet injury that I've had for so long that I, I, I manage it. But like, when I get down, I'm, I'm very often touching something as I go down to make sure that my balance stays correct. Um, you know, I will I will crouch with a, a straight back. And so making sure that my character was crouching with a straight back, uh, putting her hand on something to brace as she was getting up, mentioning those things, and then the moments where she she's she does something that she shouldn't do, like getting up and turning um at the same time, which is a which is one of the failure modes. So Trying to do those things um, was one of the ways that I found to, to keep my character's pain alive on the page without having it, um, w- w- while keeping it in proportion to the way, to, to her lived experience. How, have you, uh, does anyone else have other tools that they can recommend? Des- describing the modes of compensation um, is is a critical piece for me. We, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, how a scene, you want to describe it using multiple senses, you know, sight, sound, touch, smell, whatever. Um, describing a scene and describing that, you know, I reach out with my hand to, to steady myself. Or, you know, I pause for a moment to take inventory about, you know, what it is, what it is that is hurting. How does my knee feel? Am I ready for these stairs? Yeah, I'm ready for these stairs. And it's just a momentary thought. And then, 
and then down the stairs. Um, yeah, writing those things in as in the same way that I write multiple senses when describing a scene. So let's uh, segue from that straight into our homework assignment. Oh, goody. That's me. Which is yours. <clears throat> okay. Earlier, I mentioned the No, I'm Fine essay that I wrote. I have an assignment for you. <clears throat> Creative nonfiction. Describe, it, it describes the wrong word. Write a story about the worst or some of the worst or very bad, you pick, pain that you have experienced. Use as many senses as you can. Paint the whole picture for us. Write it in such a way that you are evoking the pain and the emotion and the setting and the context and that whole experience for the reader. doesn't have to be long. Between 250 and 1,000 words is probably enough for one really juicy pain. All right. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. For this episode of Writing Excuses, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, C.L. Polk, Fran Wilde, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Daniel Thompson and mastered by Alex Jackson. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.